You are listening to Conversations on the Rocks, the podcast where my guest chooses the topic, and I am your host, Kristen Dokas. This week, the discussion revolves around how to spot a fake and how to spot an expert. During troubling times or when little is known about a topic, it seems like the so-called experts come out of the blue to offer their expertise and wisdom. But how do you know if they're really an expert on a topic or if you're falling for fool's gold? So grab your favorite cocktail or a cup of joe and let's get started. Greetings, everybody. This is Kristen. And today I am joined by Connie Chesner, who is the Performance Enhancement Specialist of Armored Team Building. Welcome, Connie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am right as rain, as my grandmother used to say. Why don't you uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and then we're going to get kicking on this great topic that we've got today. Well, I am a longtime resident of Winston-Salem and uh, I have a background in all of your all of your soft sciences. So anything that deals with market research, uh, social sciences, professional development, uh, the thing that drives me forward across just about everything is making people or giving them the tools to allow them to be better. So guiding them to a better place. So if you look at everything that I do, it all relates to that. And right now that um, is manifested in three different companies. So um, the two that matter to what we're talking about today are Armored Team Building that you talked about. And uh, Armored Team Building is exactly what it says. It's a team building company that travels the nation and works with companies, uh, giving tools to employees to make them better. And then uh, Armored Research, which I think for our topic today, we're going to touch on a bunch of things that Armored Research has been doing. I have a 25 plus year background in qualitative market research. So it's a it's an ongoing passion that I just can't seem to escape. And I think that's how you and I originally met many, many years ago was um, your former company. I think so. Yeah, I ran a company that some folks in the area um, might remember called Right Brain Discovery. Uh, right Brain Discovery was absorbed into the current companies. So uh, it's been around. It, it kind of went down to a, a minor company for a while while we focused on building the team building company. And in January of this year, it uh, came back to life. So under the Armored Research brand. So Excellent. it's all it's been there the whole time. And like I said, I can't escape it, <laughs> whether I want to or not. <laughs> well, after 25 years, it's kind of hard to escape anything. Yeah, it's, 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 it's part of my being, you know, I, I walk out and I'm doing qualitative research, I'm doing observationalism going about every single day and going, oh, I see a neat thing there. Wouldn't it be cool if they looked at that or I could help them there. So, you know, it's part of my lifeblood. So what we're talking about today is a really interesting topic because only thing that many of us can relate to what's currently going on right now is the last economic downturn, which was in 2008. And ironically, 2008 was when I launched my original marketing firm, Twin City Sales and Marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And the turn in the economic situation now has created the opportunity for me to once again, open up my marketing firm. It's under a different name now to incorporate more of the things that I can do. But I remember back in, in the topic, in case I, that, that was a cliffhanger, if everybody, is how to spot a real expert. And I remember back in 2008 was really the beginning of social media as we know it today, Facebook, right? And it was at that time that it was also a, a big problem was everybody was slapping a shingle over their door and calling themselves social media experts when they had actually never had any 
mm-hmm. activity in it. So I think this, this is, this is going to be a great topic. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, and we're going to talk about how to spot a real expert. Well, I think that uh, it really is everything old is new again, right? So we are going to see these things in cycles. And I think the, the cycle that we're in right now, uh, you bring up a great point. So in downturns and pieces where uh, times where people feel that they need to create a new image, create a new package for themselves, put themselves on the market and push forward, you're going to see a lot of, oh man, here's an old fashioned word for you, charlatans, right? So um, <laughs> there's a word you don't hear very often. That's uh, a great word. It is, it's a great word and it's very descriptive. Everybody kind of knows what that means. So um, as we've come into this, I would say over the past, oh, let's say five to seven years, you've seen this kind of ratchet up. And what we're going through right now, this very intense, stressful situation has seen it even ratchet up even more. So we see that kind of trajectory go up um, is the idea of a need for increased credibility and expertise. So clarity of information, what does it mean to be credible and who can call themselves an expert? Because that word expert has become tossed around and it's become watered down and everybody's an expert right now. You know, right. I, I saw an advertisement for a, uh, a webinar in my social media feed this morning. And it's someone that I know is not more than two to three years into their industry. And they claim that they are providing expert advice on something. And I go, well, two to three years in feels a little bit thin to me to be holding that, that rank. I'm sorry. I was going to say the word that always makes me crazy is guru. And that was a lot, yes. a lot with the, like, especially in the social media field back when I was talking about that time frame. I'm a social media guru and it just drives me insane because my attitude on that is you can call me a guru. I cannot call myself a guru. That's like it's so egotistical. Well, and I think what happens is it's this it, we, we were talking about, you know, what the impact of fear is and uncertainty is. And the more people have that, the more they feel the need to have to shore up and provide their own labels. There's this, there's been a, so in addition to credibility and expertise, there's been this like parallel thing happening out there in society of, you know, become your own brand. Everybody's branding themselves now. I mean, think about a decade ago, you didn't brand yourself until you had uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and all these pieces. It used to be that your your reputation was what other people said about you and how they said, you know what, you really need to talk to Kristen because she knows her stuff. Okay. Oh, and I've used her. I, I you know, I've I've hired her. I've engaged her in some way. Now it's you going out and trying to generate that. And when you look at the way that. Uh, and I think you've kind of tapped into something interesting here. When you look at the way that social media evolved, it evolved in not just a way where you have to promote yourself or nothing happens on social media. But if you look to like LinkedIn, for example, if you think about a business context, you have to ask for recommendations. You have to ask people to to come out and put their name out there against yours and those types of very interesting way that we've shifted the psychology of the world. Um So the way that we've kind of approached that right now, okay, so we get back to the topic of what we're talking about, how to really spot a real expert, is we took a, uh, after 25 years, I've been called an expert in many cases around market research. So we've taken that knowledge base that we have, and we've said, what's happening in the market right now? 
What are the market motivations and things that are going to change? And one of the most salient things that we see coming out of all the stress that all of us are under right now is an increased need for credibility and expertise and being able to do what we're talking about today. How do you spot and know what's real in information? We've got three basic ways that you can do that. And there's a dozen more, but three is a good way to kind of start, right? Yes. Kind of put your arms around. Yes. All right. Uh, so what's the first way? The first one is, uh, I like to say, beware of fool's gold. So uh, if you remember all the stories about, you know, all the, the expeditioners that went out to the West and found, oh, I found gold, but they didn't find real gold. So you have to look for credibility markers. And credibility markers are getting tougher and tougher to spot. And this is one of the things that I think is interesting. So there was an article just this morning. It was talking about some of the moves that big companies like Yelp and Grubhub are taking around uh, mirroring. So they go into their database systems. And instead of having the restaurant's phone number, which is supposed to be there, the phone number is there. But if you push a different button that says that you want to order food, that phone number is actually owned by Grubhub and Yelp. And what happens is whether that phone call is for uh, ordering of food or whether you just called to find out the hours of the restaurant or whatever, the restaurant now gets charged a fee. But the customer in many cases has no idea that pushing right. which button changes that. So it's a, it's a murky territory. There's news indexing services have started to change how they index news and media. So your, your headline, uh, I wrote something about this on LinkedIn just yesterday, your headline for your article can be seven different headlines across different places, exact same article. And then when they index it, their web address is different. So what happens there is the credibility markers we used to use that said, my memory says that that was from the New York Times or that was from the Wall Street Journal or name the organization. They can get very murky and messed up between how all of that happens. So what I want people to do and what I encourage them to do is to look for things that they know, just like we talked about. Can someone verify that this uh, that this person is indeed a really great resource? Did they come on a personal recommendation? Do they have the credentials around them? Do they have a background that matters? You know, do they have uh, either either certifications or college degrees? Do they or do they have years of experience in something? It's not that you have to have a college education to be credible, but do they have cues that tell you that they know what they're talking about? And kind of use that as a filter to move forward. And what's happened with the world of social media is everybody has an opinion. Yep. And everybody's an expert. <laughs> everybody's an expert and everybody states that opinion as though they are the expert. Well, and the other thing too is that the we've seen it so much this, during this crisis, but just in general is that people will not verify facts. They will not take the time and especially I hate to say this, but especially our elders Yep. If it's on Facebook, it's gospel. Yep. They will not fact find. And I wonder how much of the generational difference happens where they don't even know how to navigate this world where think about the media sites that, and everybody has examples of them. And I'm not talking about like Babylon B and the onion that are very obvious satire sites. Okay. Even though those still fool a few folks, but there are some media resources that sound credible but when you start to look at how they report, you go, there's no substance here. Where's the journalism and the reporting? Those, because the internet has made it so easy to put up a 
sort of a mask and a veneer on websites and such to make things look credible. Look at some of the documentaries that have come out just in this crisis that we're sitting in right now. Some of these things are complete conspiracy theory on both sides. Oh okay, my so God, yesterday, the, the plandemic thing. Oh my goodness, it was all over my feed. Everywhere, and today again. Yep. Well, and I watched the plandemic thing last night. I probably saw it, oh geez, 30, 40 times in my newsfeed. So I said, okay, I got to watch this thing. They keep right. telling me, oh, you got to watch this thing. So I watch it and I'm watching with a critical eye and I go, where is the evidence? Where's the good investigative reporting? Where is, and so it turns out that what that is, whether it's valid information or not, that's not what I'm looking at. It's an interview. It's an interview that doesn't have a whole lot of, like if you were watching it on, let's say 60 minutes, they would have- I was gonna say, that's what it reminded me of was 60 minutes. <laughs> well, and think about what's happening there. The the producer, whoever it is that produced that, it, intro, it intros and there's this music that happens as they're walking down what looks like an academic, you know, columns on one side and big building and very things, credibility cues that we're talking about. These are things that, that tell people this feels very valid to me. And so it, if you give people, this is where I, I really hope folks take this away. If you give people enough credibility cues, you can turn off their critical thinking. What Great I want point. to challenge folks to do is keep that critical thinking intact. Don't go, oh, look, it's a great setting and it looks like they're in a big room and it looks like they're at an academic institution. I have no idea where that was filmed, but all those pieces and parts, and that's just one example. You can look at lots of different examples throughout the media. We look at um, when the Jacksonville beaches opened down in Florida a few weeks ago, there was a lot of criticism over the pictures that came out. From the spring break five years earlier. Yep, from the spring break five years earlier. <laughs> then you had the reporters in Jacksonville. Um, I follow some of the, the local media down there who went out and showed you. So now we're all, the next thing we're going to be experts in, by the way, is wide angle um, and uh, other types of photography lenses and such. Because all these photographers right now are going, see if I shoot it with this lens, it looks this way. But this, so it's like you know, the, the Instagram reveals where they show you, you know, the, 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 the ladies put on makeup where people put on makeup and change their whole face and, and, and look at different yeah. things or um, a body transformation, you know, oh, well, see, it's the, the real Instagram that we were seeing for a while there, you know, Instagram isn't real. So see, if I just change the angle and the lighting, I don't look that great after all. All of that is, it's giving us a false sense of, to go back to our favorite word of the day, expertise. Right. Oh, I know what that is. That's just a wide angle lens. That's, that's how they took that picture. You know, we, we feel right. like we know something, but we know a little a little tidbit, a little bit. We're not a right. professional photographer. And we've seen, you know, photography is a great example. Photography has dealt with over the past decade, especially, but the last five to seven years. Look at your professional photographer contacts. Yes. And what they bump into with people who go, Oh, no, that's okay. I can do that with my iPhone or I can do that with whatever. And they don't know the science of photography. Absolutely. They don't know the detail yeah. of what it means to get that out there. So looking for those credibility markers, you know, in photography, I think that's a great example, really. It's how do you know who's a good professional photographer and who just went out and bought a good DSLR and, you know, picked up a few tricks? You know, we, we all saw that 
that same picture, everybody has seen it, of put the family on the train tracks and take the perspective picture of the family shot. And now I'm a photographer. Okay. There are some valid photographers doing that, but professional photographers have got some really good chops behind them. They've done really interesting things. They know about lighting and angles and, you know, setup and colors and all these things that you don't get in the thinner things. So those credibility markers are vital in looking at those. Great point. I'm Eugene B. Sims, and my award-winning blog, WheelersDog.com, is now a full-fledged podcast. Wheeler's Dog Podcast, available anywhere you get podcasts and YouTube. The the second area is, uh, and every time I say this phrase, I go back to the 80s song. Uh, I heard it from a friend who, so I'm going to let that play in your mind. (laughs) Thanks for the air warm. (laughs) You went went back there. Uh, I did. (laughs) We all do. At least Uh, it's a good song, though. It is. It's, it's, it's a catchy song. You just can't get rid of it. Once I, once I put that little earworm in you, you know, the idea, if anybody knows me for any length of time, they know that when I was working at um, Wake Forest years ago, my expertise was in how internet rumors and rumors and misinformation spread via the internet. So that's kind of the nesting of my background. And this is what this, this kind of tip deals with. Be careful of things that are shortcuts, assumptions, Headline scanning, oh, we're all guilty of that, aren't we? You're scrolling yep. through a feed, you're even, and I don't even care if it's a regular like news feed, like Apple News or you know one of the news aggregating sites. You're going through the AP wire, looking at it, reading a headline, and going, "I got that." <laughs> you know what happened is in six words, where the real story was in even if it was a hundred words. You know? Well, and, and the problem in journalism right now, and because I'm a writer, I can say this is that so many titles are clickbait. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, well, that's how Buzzfeed makes their money. Absolutely. It, you it, know, you, and- the article, the title of the article quite often, it's good. They want to grab you and keep you. And the article has nothing to do with the clickbait title. Well, and if you look at the background of why that is essential in today's media, it's because without the click, there's no income. And media has right. been hurting because yep. of the idea of everything should be free. So look at the, you'll post a link to something that's like a Wall Street Journal or a New York Times article or a, you know, a Washington Post, you know, name one of the big, big media, you know, providers out there. And uh, I'll have somebody come back and they're like, well, that's behind a paywall. And they're very angry at me because I posted a link and they can't get to it. And I go, well, you know, I'm not in charge of that media, but they also need to be able to make some sort of an income stream off of that. Right. The clicking and the bait and the, and the piece of the clickbait is the idea of even if they can't get your subscription money, which is the ideal, they can get money off of every click and every share. Right. And, you know, it's it's like the, um, the modern form of syndication. Yes. And there was a... Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, there was an article a few weeks ago from one of our local media companies. I won't list their name. And it had something to do with one of the townships. And the title, if the title of it, if you were to look at the title and read the title, it would have come close to inciting a riot because what the title read, and I can't remember now, um, and what the article actually was were two completely different things. Oh my gosh. Well, and you know, the interesting thing about that, the third tip, and we can jump back and forth between the three of them, but the third tip is something that some folks have probably heard about already. 
It's called the Mandela effect. Um, and it deals with false memories and how our memories can get linked to things that didn't really happen or connected in ways that you wouldn't expect normally. Right. So our brains are constantly indexing information. And as we index information, so think about your example, a headline that doesn't match an article, which one is more memorable and easy for you to recall very quickly? The headline. So the headline is what you remember, but when you go into the content, if it doesn't match, your brain almost doesn't know because our brains are very logical in how they index. It doesn't know what to do with that information. This doesn't match that. Where do I put it and what do I save and not save? Because we're constantly dealing with lots of choices and we're not doing it consciously, right? But our brain is constantly making choices of, do you need to remember how much sugar you put in the cup of coffee this morning? Or would that brain space and that neuron space be better spent remembering that, you know, at noon today you have, you know, a Skype call or a Zoom call or whatever with somebody? Probably better spent around the, the call right. as opposed to you put in two scoops of sugar versus one or whatever happens to be. Same thing happens around uh, headlines, news and things with the Mandela effect. The, the Mandela effect is a and there are you talk about conspiracy theories around this one. You know, you get you get to the extreme of people that believe this and they think that there are alternate time space universes that are parallel to ours and we're seeing a peek into another universe. OK, go back to that first piece of credibility and expertise. And, you know, what do they have to prove that? So maybe not. But the what we do know about the human memory from actual research and actual scientific studies of brain science is that it's very easy for us in a mental overload situation, especially like we're in right now. All of us are very stressed. There's lots of new things, lots of heavy decisions to make every day about things. It's easy for us to, to attach incorrectly information to each other. And we don't even know we're doing it in some cases. So right. that means when somebody's talking to you and you're sitting down over you know, uh, a glass of wine with somebody, or you're sitting down and you go, you're having a conversation, it's easy for you to remember that headline you saw last week. And you, and you mentioned that as though that's the story, as opposed to the story itself, which is what should have been the substance. And so we don't even realize we're doing it many times, but it's an important thing to remember that false memories are a phenomenon that can happen when there's lots of information. So think about the, the vortex we're in right now, tons of information coming at us every single day from lots of sources that seem credible. They may have credibility markers to them. They, oh, that's a doctor, that's a nurse, that's a, a, a medical center. But wait a second, there's a doctor, nurse, and a medical center on the other side of the argument that sound just mm -hmm. as valid. Mm -hmm. So where our brain begins to connect that information, especially in uncertain environments, we just have to be super careful to become aware of when we are, when someone says, no, that's not what happened. Instead of automatically trapdoor, no, I'm right, you're wrong. A little bit of open-mindedness, a little grace, a little bit of ability to listen to somebody else and go, well, show me. And that's where you get to that idea of how you spot a real expert. A real expert is willing to say, well, maybe there is some more evidence out there. Right, they right. are open-minded to that idea. Anyone who says my way or the highway, probably doesn't have any depth to argue and build a conversation around something that's anything of depth. One of the things, and again, it goes back to what we're seeing right now is that 
people are not willing to take the time to do their own research. And the critical thinking component, you, you mentioned that in the very beginning is, you know, you can fool yourself into anybody's uh, frame of mind, if you will, because no one's thinking for themselves. Well, and I think in many ways, the onslaught of information has made us tired of constantly oh, and critically absolutely. evaluating. Yeah. And if you think about why social media, go back to the heart of what social media emerged for, it emerged to be a fun distraction from the world. And it's yes. called into this powerhouse of you know, the main source of information for many people about what happens outside of their lives. So they're reading an echo chamber in some cases, or even if they have a diverse set of, of individuals or feeds that they follow, they're depending upon that to filter their information. And then they're reading. So you take that and now you only read the headlines or watch the little video clip on mute in some cases, because most folks watch the videos on mute. It's mind candy in many cases. We oh, get, yeah. You know, there was that great book. Uh, I guess it was about a decade ago. So talk about how how long this has been going on. And it was called The Shallows. Kind of remember, I think it was Nicholas Carr that wrote that book. And The Shallows deals with what the internet does to our brains. And it, it takes our ability to do that critical thinking and it waters it down. You know, when I was in uh, in graduate work and everything else, you know, I had no problem reading and writing 25 to 75 page papers. That was nothing. Now you put a paper in front of me that's, you know, 10 pages long and I, my brain goes, ugh, that's mm -hmm. like too long. That's a lot. Do I really? You know, really, am I going to make it through, especially if it's something that's not a fun read? You know, that's why BuzzFeed is so addictive to people. They click over and it's, you know, 27 celebrities that have eight, haven't aged well. Yeah. So not only is it not an article, it's a bullet point list. I mean, we have it's the dumbing down of society. Yep. I mean, it, it's 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 actually really sad. I'm kind of joking about it, but it's really, really sad. Well, and think about what that does in terms of the idea of real experts. When you're going to BuzzFeed and you're clicking through, to your point, a bullet list without any real content there, and that's what you're conditioned to. Somebody comes with real content and they want to have a real engagement and it feels very heavy, even when it should just be a normal interaction that, you know, a decade ago or five years ago would have been fun to have and fun to kind of build out together. It's an interesting turn that we've taken. So we're coming close to the end, believe it or not. Um, what can you give us just, you know, go back over the points that you made and just some closing words on uh, what you expect that we're going to see here. And it, I want to point out that it's as it relates to with unemployment. I think the number I saw this morning is at 33 million in the yeah. United States. That's so. And companies are going to be very slow to rehire if they even do. So where are we, where do you expect professionally that we're going to be seeing a lot of charlatans as you put? I mean, I've actually um, have heard people, oh, I know what it was. It was when everybody was going to uh, work from home. All of a sudden you started seeing, I'm a work from home expert. You're like, really? <laughs> you just got there. <laughs> I know. Like so let me, yeah, it's just like, like you said, it's, it's, but yeah, there, there were people that were touting on LinkedIn that they were work from home experts as far as telling companies how to best set up 
for it to be a successful venture? I think you've got a couple of things that are, are, are good to keep in mind. So um, just in case someone got lost in terms of the, the points and such, the three things that you want to keep in mind in terms of looking for who's a real expert or who has real credibility. Number one, look for those credibility markers. I'll talk about that in a second with regard to what you just asked. Um, number two, be careful of shortcuts or things that are thin in what they are. So headline reading only, those types of things. And number three, be open to the possibility that sometimes you're wrong. And that's what Mandela effect is, is the idea of sometimes your memory tells you one thing, but the reality is another. Be willing to be open to additional context and information. And how that relates, I think, to what you're talking about with the job market is we've seen um, LinkedIn has had a massive surge since all of this happened. Everybody's on LinkedIn right now and updating their profiles and sharing and going back and forth. And uh, you're going to see a lot of folks trying to go into the town square and shout what they can do to the world. And the challenge is going to be that because we've taught so many folks just a smidge of marketing, they're going to be, to your point about the work from home experts, lifting what they think is the latest piece, angle, and whatever, in order just to get a foot in the door. Yep. So in looking at, let's say you're a hiring manager, you have a business. Okay, so we'll take it from that side for first. If you're a hiring manager, you have a business, I would strongly encourage that you look at what are the true credibility markers for this individual? Do they have, if you ask them deeper questions or you're looking into their profile, do they have, let's say you're on LinkedIn to say, or the resume they've submitted. What are the things that say they really can do what they claim they can do? I don't care what the market is or what they're doing. Okay. I saw a uh, job ad the other day for uh, contact tracers. And these are folks that get hired to call all the people that supposedly someone who gets infected with COVID-19, they're supposed to call and interview them about their health status and such. And their qualifications were ridiculously thin. You needed a high school diploma, you needed a working internet connection, and you needed a Windows 10 or a certain you know, level on, on Apple products and such. And you were good to go. These are folks that they're going to task, supposedly, with interviewing people on a healthcare issue. So watching for those credibility, when I saw that, I said, yeah, that doesn't seem real, real <laughs> solid, right? Um, so from the hiring manager standpoint, look for it in your, your employees or those who are coming at you. If someone's writing an article or a point of perspective, say, who is that person? Do they really have a right to that perspective? Or not do they have a right to that perspective? That's the wrong way to say it. Do they have the expertise to stand on the soapbox, which they have themselves built? You're not supposed to build your own soapbox, by the way. True, true. So um, if you are a employee looking at opportunities, and I think we're going to see this both ways, employees or somebody who's on the market looking for opportunities, be a little critical about what, what the advertisement is. Be a little critical about what the role is, who this company is, what they can truly offer. Um, are, are they offering what they think they need right now? Or most people are looking for an opportunity that's going to carry them forward at least a few years. You know, we know mm -hmm. that people do jobs, anything anymore, but is this a, a contract engagement that they're going to lure you in with, with a few keywords, you know, benefits, what type of benefits, dig that back a little bit farther. What does that mean? You know, that used to be 
a fairly, you and I both know, a fairly substantial list of things that came along right. with it. Anymore, benefits can be, you know, oh, well, we're going to let you have casual Friday and, you know, you can leave the office at four instead of six. You know, that's um, those types of things. So looking for those types of credibility pieces, I think, is going to be very important as we move into this market. You're going to see a lot of folks competing, a lot of algorithms working in the background, especially with the technology side that we're on right now. People are trying to game their way through algorithms into getting in front of a person. So they're going to say what needs to be said or the keyword searches. There's lots of articles out there if you really want to look at them that tell you all the words you can put that'll supposedly push you through here or get you noticed there. Looking at all of this, always be critical. And it's and I want to just make sure that I'm clear. It's not that if you don't have experience, your opinion is not valid. It's that if you don't have experience and you claim expertise and you claim wisdom and you're bumping up against somebody who has 25 or 30 years of experience in that field and telling them, no, you're wrong, but you're basically the level of an intern or somebody who's just recently come on the market in or changed fields, you mm -hmm. have to weigh all that together in terms of what happens, you know? Um it used to amaze me when uh, my father, he was in the construction field and he would walk on a job site somewhere. And what did I see? I saw wood and nails and, you know, all the basics. And he would go, OK, so that needs to be adjusted. That angles off. That's never going to work. That won't pass inspection. You can't. Boom, 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 boom. All because 50 years in industry. Right. Same thing, translate that over to something that's not looking at a building structure, perhaps, if you're in like a, a services field like we tend to be. What is it that shows somebody when you walk in the room that you see the things at the depth that it is? That depth of, of knowledge has to come out in how you communicate. And that's what you should be looking at from other folks. So you don't waste your time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. It does. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Um, there's some great conversation as always with you. And I think we could definitely uh, continue this for a long time and maybe we'll have to do it again, but do it, you know, spin it off, especially um, as we're coming out of fingers crossed this uh, current environment that we live in. So um, again, Connie, thank you so much and uh, stay safe out there. Thanks a bunch, Kristen. You have a great day. And that, my friends, is a wrap on this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. You can get all of the episodes at conversationsontherocks.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, and that's at Kristen Dokas, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-D-A-U-K-A-S. Until next week, keep it real, and let's hear what your story is. Music.